0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the Stuff We Love podcast. We kick off the new season tonight by talking about some of the recent news related to the Disney Plus streaming service. We talk about news from the Disney theme parks and more. As always, we will conclude the episode with our very popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Scott. I'm Jack, and you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. The Stuff We Love podcast is sponsored by Autoslash, This summer, I went on vacation to Walt Disney World, and on that trip, I rented a car using Autoslash to secure the best rate possible. I saved over $200 on my car rental as a result of using Autoslash.
1: Scott, how did you use Autoslash to get such a great rate?
0: Before my trip, I went to Autoslash.com and entered information about my upcoming trip. I then entered information pertaining to rewards programs and credit cards that I have. Soon after doing that, Autoslash sent me an email. In that email were links to various car rental prices available to me. I took advantage of one of them and guaranteed those savings. You see, when you book at AutoSlash, they apply every coupon code you are eligible for. So once someone books a trip, are they all set or does the process continue? The amazing thing about AutoSlash is that they update you on any better deals they find in advance of your trip. So they keep on looking for better deals right up until your pickup date, which is absolutely great because rates often drop as the pickup date approaches. So if they do find a lower rate, Autoslash emails you so you can rebook and save.
1: And it's important to note that Autoslash has been featured in the New York Times, Condé Nast Traveler, and on the Today Show. You can visit them at
0: autoslash.com. So here we are, back for Season 2. Fall has arrived, not officially, but unofficially. And Jack, uh, you are now a college student. You've begun your freshman year at college. How are you doing there? Everything good? I am. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, meeting new people, trying new things,
1: I've, I've really enjoyed it.
0: I wanted to ask you some questions about your college experience so far from a technology perspective, uh, because we talk about that type of stuff a lot here on the podcast, and when I was in college in the late 90s and early 2000s, things were so different from the way they are now that I'm actually kind of fascinated with how college kids today are using technology on campus, and I know a lot of our listeners fit into your age bracket. So, I wanted to ask you a couple questions. First off... At your school, have you met any students that have physical music in their rooms, like CDs or vinyl? No.
1: Almost everything I've seen has been digital music. That's not to say that kids our age are not using uh, – I don't think they're using CDs. But that's not to say they're not using vinyls. Vinyls are actually very popular amongst kids our age. But they don't want to bring them to college just for the obvious reasons of if they were to bring, like, a very nice vinyl collection and a nice vinyl player, then they could get destroyed in their dorm room, et cetera, et cetera. So for the most part, kids are sticking with digital music. And But I, what I have been impressed by is that all the kids have, for the most part, they have really good speakers. So like there's a lot of JBL speakers, there's UE speakers, and they have pretty much every single kid has their own speaker. And so they do really appreciate good sound quality. But I think just for the sake of a college dorm room, they haven't brought vinyls. But a lot of people I've been talking with have been saying that they
0: do have vinyls at home or they plan to collect them in the future. From what you've seen, it's all digital. Uh, do, you, do you see if more people use Spotify or Apple Music? Have you even been able to see that or no? Spotify is definitely the preferred uh, service amongst kids our age.
1: Far more kids use Spotify than Apple Music. I've seen a couple people who use Apple Music, music, but definitely Spotify dominates.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. And this year there was an article that came out recently that said vinyl sales are going to outpace CD sales, which is a big change in the industry, as we've talked about here on the podcast before. CD sales are down, vinyl sales are up, but streaming is the dominant form of listening to music today. Uh, When it comes to watching uh, TV, do you have cable TV on your campus or just use streaming services?
1: You can set up cable if you want to, but almost everyone I've seen has just used streaming services, especially because nowadays, uh, due to how quickly technology is evolving, especially when it comes to smart TVs, many kids can get a smart TV for, say, like $120, a nice like 40-inch TV, and you can have Netflix on there, Hulu, uh, HBO. Mm-hmm. So there's really not a huge need to have cable TV, especially when, if you really wanted to, you can just a lot of most cable networks nowadays. You can just go online, search like ABC Live or NBC Live, sign in with your provider, and you can mm-hmm. watch it that way, and stream it to your TV. But for people who just choose to use their uh, smart TVs, that's that's what I've seen as the primary uh, form of entertainment. Especially because there's not a ton of time to watch TV. I mean, they they'll watch like shows they're interested in, but you know you're doing other things, so right. there's not a huge use for cable TV.
0: Do most students even have TVs in their dorm rooms now, from what you say?
1: Um, Most students, no. I'd say probably most male students have TVs because they bring video game consoles and that stuff. But most of the uh, girls do not have TVs in their
0: room. That's interesting that you mentioned that. That leads me to another question. So you're seeing most guys use video games in their uh, dorm rooms?
1: Yeah, almost, I'd say probably eight out of ten rooms have a TV and a game console of some Mm -hmm. sort. Whether that be and I kind of con- I include here like PC setups because that's even more expensive and more work than a TV and a console system would be. They bring obviously like uh, I know one of my one of the kids who lives on my floor. He has a very high tech PC that he built himself, hmm. and it's it's really impressive. Uh, but I'd consider that part of you know the TV usage in terms of a lot of the kids are playing video games, especially the guys.
0: And are you seeing a preference for PS4, Switch, or Xbox?
1: It's definitely between. PS4 and Xbox mm-hmm. but switch has made an interesting niche market especially recently where there's like a lot of die-hard switch switch users and so I've seen I think there's about two or three kids on my floor of about uh, 20 rooms that have that use the switch so it's definitely out there, mm-hmm. but definitely uh, the PS4 and Xbox are more popular
0: interesting. That's interesting uh, one other question. I wanted to ask you or actually two questions Uh, Are you seeing most of the students wearing headphones between classes when they're walking on campus? And if so, what percentage of that would you approximate being the Apple AirPods? I'd say
1: four to five out of ten of the people are using AirPods. Mm. Um, So it's not super common,
0: but you definitely see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's so different from when I went to school. I remember going to school and putting all of my CDs in this huge binder and for my Beatles Cities, I actually took the cases as well. Same thing with DVDs. I went down with tons of DVDs. There were, And even just watching uh, TV, you know, there were no Apple TVs. There were no Rokus or anything like that, no smart TVs. So it was really cable, although even my freshman year, I didn't even have cable on campus. It wasn't available. So things have changed so much. I think that if I was in college today, I would do the exact same thing you're doing in terms of going down there, streaming content, playing video games. You know, I'd ask about what your uh, educational experience is like from a digital perspective, but I I quite frankly don't care as much about that. (laughs) I'm more interested in what your uh, pop culture perspective is like (laughs) from technology.
1: The education has been great too, but obviously the pop culture is more exciting. Yes. Yes. By the
0: way, are most of your textbooks digital?
1: Is that a thing now? Is that a real thing? Um, In my experience, uh, the textbooks are still physical. Mm -hmm. I feel like regardless of, you know, increasing, uh, uses of, uh, digital media, Textbooks still, especially for tougher classes in college, kids like to have a physical textbook to, you know, read it, highlight it, focus on it. Um, They have been using, especially for a bunch of math classes, online um, ways of submitting the homework, like doing the math homework online, which I hate. Mm -hmm. I luckily haven't had any teachers yet that use that. But some of my friends, I've seen them having to submit their uh, math homework or language homework online. Uh, But in terms of textbooks, it's still
0: physical. One last question that just occurred to me. So if you have large lecture classes... And you miss it. Let's say you're sick or for whatever reason, you're just unable to go. Are those now available online? Because I remember when I was in school, if you miss that, you'd have to ask someone for the notes. You know, you're out of luck. Are those nowadays with technology available to you?
1: Uh, A lot of teachers will post uh, the PowerPoints that they use in class online. Not all the teachers, but some of them. And uh, you can also just email them and typically they'll say yes. So, I mean... A lot of the uh, most colleges nowadays, and mine included, are using like online databases for their for homework assignments, for document postings, for all that stuff. So we use a site called Blackboard, which is yeah. an absolutely horrible site. I mean, it's it's the worst operating system I ever used. The one I used in high school, which was one known as Schoology, okay. was absolutely amazing. Like I loved it. It was really the, even their app on their phone was great. Like the technology was just really advanced. This one we're using, College Blackboard, it looks like it was made. Um, like before the internet was invented it's it's really slow it's hard to see what you got going on it doesn't work very well right um and so a lot of teachers will post their powerpoints their lectures on there um but that's not to say every teacher will
0: yeah i think that may have even been around when i was in college and it seemed really dated then i could be wrong about that but that that title brings a bell blackboard I, I,
1: oh it's horrible it, yeah. it's it's just not a good site the technology is so outdated and you can't even use any of it on
0: well listen man we wish you the best in college we're excited for you we can't wait to Follow you along on this this big journey here. Uh, I'm going to be you. coming to visit you, by the way, and we'll record an episode uh, on that'd campus. That'd be great. We'll pull that'd in random great. people. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I wanted to turn now to uh, the Disney Plus streaming service because in the time that we were off the air, so much was announced about this service. There was recently a subscription deal available that I actually did sign up for where you could use your D23 membership, of which I'm a, I'm a part of D23, the free tier, and uh, you can get a discount if you paid for Three years up front, they gave you a significant discount. It came to like $140 or something like that, unbelievably cheap. Uh, And actually, I saw on Twitter the other day, people in the Netherlands were able to participate in a beta program as recently as, uh, this was like two days ago or so. It's weird because it was only available from what I saw in the Netherlands. So if you don't live there, you couldn't experience it. But on Twitter, I saw an account, the name of the account was Stitch Kingdom. And they had access to this beta test, and they were posting oh, wow. photos and videos from their experience. And I was very excited from what I saw. I was very pleased. They actually break it down on the Disney Plus site. Now, granted, this is beta, so expect changes by the time it is released to the pub- public in November. But you were able to search from time period, like films from the 1950s, 1960s, etc you could search by, you know, if you were interested in Disney princess movies, you could search for Disney princess films, that type of thing. You could really break it down specifically, and there was a nice mix of animation and live-action films going back decades. I really, personally, I'm not familiar with a lot of the Disney live-action movies going back to the 1950s and 60s that Walt himself may have been involved in, and a lot of those are available on the Disney Plus service, which I'm really excited for. Uh, So I was encouraged from what I saw Uh, Jack I wanted to talk to you and get your thoughts on what they announced at the D23 Expo back in August about the upcoming Disney Plus programs Uh, the biggest one I think that most people are excited for is the Mandalorian that is the live action Star Wars show that's going to be directed by Jon Favreau I think he's also the lead writer on that show for me this is probably the thing I'm most looking forward to on Disney Plus is it the same for you?
1: Mandalorians by far the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Obviously, there's going to be so much content released between all the different Marvel movies they have for all the characters, Marvel TV shows. It's all going to be very exciting. But I think people are very excited for The Mandalorian. And there's a lot of reason to be. It seems like, like you said, the director, Jon Favreau, is taking Star Wars in a direction that people have wanted to go for in a long time and kind of started with, with Rogue One, which is a little bit of darker Star Wars, which has been a huge request from the Star Wars community. And not dark in the sense of pessimistic or anything like that, but just showing a little bit more of the, um, I guess the proper word would be daring or maybe like the raunchy side of Star Wars. So Mm -hmm. the opening scene of the new trailer for Mandalorian shows like several Stormtrooper helmets on stakes. And that's just a picture you wouldn't typically get in, in a Star Wars production in the past. The only critique I have seen is that people were hoping that the Mandalorian would be kind of a set the stage story for Boba Fett. It appears that that's not the case, though. Again, that's just speculative. But really, the press from the first trailer and from the fans has been very positive. And I think uh, everyone has a lot of uh, justification to be excited for this new show.
0: Uh, Jack, another show that was announced, but I don't think a time for it was announced in terms of a release date, was an Obi-Wan Kenobi show starring Ewan McGregor, which I'm very excited about. I loved watching him in that role. Are you more excited for The Mandalorian than this? I know you're excited for both, but just I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that as well.
1: We're all a little bit curious as to what the Obi-Wan Kenobi show will be. Just because I haven't seen any trailers or anything like that, I'm a little bit more excited for The Mandalorian. But if a trailer comes out uh, for The Obi-Wan and if it does impress, I'll probably sway pretty quickly being more excited because I'm far more of a fan of uh, Ian McGregor, who I actually got to meet years ago, and Obi-Wan Kenobi than I am of uh, The Mandalorian.
0: We have to take a pause here. You've told us... Uh, you met Ewan McGregor. When did this happen, and and what was it like? So when I was very young, I'm, I think I've told you, but you probably know about this, Scott. I yes. got to go on the Today Show yes. a couple of
1: times, and one of the days when I was there in the green room, I was very young. I was I was probably only eight or nine, or I think I was as old, as probably maybe ten. Uh, Ewan McGregor was in the green room. I got a picture with him, but um, I just re- I just remember he could not have been nicer, and. Uh, that's that's And that's what everyone loves about Ian McGregor. He just appears to be a really nice, genuine guy. Yeah. And meeting him in person only briefly, he seemed to really uh, be that nice, genuine guy. So it was it was really cool to meet him.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, he's coming out in that new movie, Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. That comes out in a few weeks. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see him in that. And I'm glad to hear he was a nice guy because that's the way he comes across in the roles he plays. I love yeah. him as uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think he's just phenomenal in that. There were also a bunch of Marvel shows announced at the D23 Expo. These include Hawkeye, Loki, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, among others. Uh, I'm excited for this. I I think that Marvel is running uh, on all cylinders right now, as we've talked about on this podcast a lot. Uh, We have some issues with the whole Spider-Man thing and whether or not Spider-Man is really, in fact, forever gone from the Marvel Universe, which I think poses some logistical challenges from a storytelling perspective for the uh, the Marvel uh, characters. But uh, these shows, I think, will be great. I'm excited for each and every one of them. And that's the amazing thing about the Disney Plus streaming service. Right now, I've just gone through six shows with you, and I want to see every single one of them.
1: Uh, Scott, I have a question for you about uh, what you're just discussing in terms of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So obviously, it's it's very speculative right now as to what's going to happen with Spider-Man. Me, my personal opinion, I don't see how they will not retain the rights just because of how popular the character is. But say they, don't, they aren't able to get Tom Holland and the rights of Spider-Man back, what effect do you think that will have on the Marvel Universe? Obviously, it's, it's tough to balance that many characters. He's been a big bridge between, uh, you know, the old Marvel that we're used to now. I say old, meaning like the Endgame series, even though it was very recent, mm-hmm. and what we're going to see in the future. How much do you think that's going to affect the Marvel Universe if Spider-Man is not part of it?
0: So if it is true that Spider-Man is really gone from the Marvel Universe, and I, I'm kind of like you, I think that there's a real chance he won't be gone. He's so integral that I think something will be done. But if he is truly gone, I think it creates a big awkwardness, at least in the short term, because you had Avengers Endgame and then you had Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, Spider-Man Far From Home was technically speaking the final film in this initial batch of Marvel films. It was an endgame. It ended with with Spider-Man Far From Home. And in that movie... Let's just say – we're going to talk spoilers now because the movie has been out for a while. So spoilers. It's so clear that the torch has been passed from Iron Man to Spider-Man as the leader of the Marvel Universe. Which – sorry to interrupt, Scott.
1: They quite quite frankly say that several times. Like they're passing the torch to him.
0: Yes. It's constantly dealt with in that film, Spider-Man Far From Home. But in that first post credit scene, Mysterio is talking about the fact that Spider Man is the one that attacked him, and you know everybody links Spider Man as the yeah. hero. And Mysterio is saying yeah. he's not. We talked about that before in the podcast. That was a major change of course in terms of what it could do for the series. So it's been a major plot line. And if he's gone from the series, well, how do you deal with it? It's awkward, and it's not the type of thing that makes sense to just quickly dismiss. You can't have a character in the franchise saying. Oh, uh, well, too bad, Spider-Man left, and he's off at college, and he gave it up. Okay, well, are you kidding me? After everything that was done? So the impact I think it has on the, the franchise is just it creates an awkwardness. The long term, it would be unfortunate because I think Tom Holland is great. I really love watching Spider-Man. He actually was probably my favorite Avenger to watch on screen. I really just love what he brought to the character, and I loved where they were going with that storyline. Uh, so it's unfortunate. The Marvel Cinematic Universe will be fine. Five films from now, we probably won't even recognize it that much, and we'll just deal with the characters as they are at that time. But in the short term, I think it's a tremendously awkward thing that completely breaks the plot narrative. How do you feel about that, Jack? I I want to disagree to a
1: degree. Mm-hmm. I think it will have a bigger uh, effect long term even than we think. My only reason is, obviously, it's a bit. people are already – A little bit worn out with the marvel universe especially because they just threw like eight new shows and movies at us and i have seen some complaints about people continuing to stay loyal to the series and so we're kind of in a period of transition now like like i mentioned where they're transitioning from this older cast to this younger one which is which is great and they did a good job with it but like you said uh tom holland is very essential to that and people love his character Mm -hmm. and so i think now if you are going to introduce several new characters which they plan to without like a core that you can rely on, of which Tom Holland is arguably one of the biggest parts, um, it could have serious repercussions for Marvel's ability to uh, maintain the popularity that the last series did, mm-hmm. especially long-term, just because of how important that character was. So I don't think there's any way that they don't get the rights back. We obviously don't know what's going on right now between their negotiations, but I don't see how there's any way that an entity like Disney now, who owns Marvel, will not get the rights back to Spider-Man when it's so clearly... Um, like a must, in my opinion.
0: Well, Jackie, you know, in your in your response there, you use the word core. And Spider-Man was the core now. Now that Tony Stark is dead in the series, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, is the core. He's the glue that holds it all together. And you take him out without any plot development showing how he's taken out. I see what you mean. I, I really do. Uh, perhaps I'm just trying to look too much on the bright side of things, but... It was shocking. That was a that was a very shocking announcement. I actually had a hard time believing it when it came out because because this is the summer where you had the summer movie season kick off with Avengers Endgame, and then you had Far From Home. And then out of nowhere, before the end of the summer, you tell me that, oh, that's it. Spider-Man's gone from the Marvel Universe. Very shocking. Very shocking. Which is
1: why I don't think he'll be gone for very much longer. Just like with all the executives and bright minds at Disney, they clearly knew that this was coming up. So I don't think it... It just sprang out of nowhere, and now they're just like, "We're going to move on without him." I can't imagine how they would.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope he's still part of the series. I, I really, uh, I hope that Spider-Man is the leader of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I think he's great at that. Uh, just turning back to Disney Plus for a couple more moments. Other series that were announced were "The World According to Jeff Goldblum," which looks like it's a lot of fun. Uh, Disney, uh, and there's going to be a Disney Imagineering series. Focusing on the history of Disney Imagineering, which is great because for us big theme park fans, we do want to see that theme park content on the streaming service. And then they did announce a couple of live action full length movies, which are going to be available on Disney Plus. One of them is Noel, which is a, a Christmas film starring Anna Kendrick. And I think Bill Hader was the other person in it, if I'm right about that. And then the live action version of Lady and the Tramp. Now, I don't know, Jack, did you see the trailer for Lady and the Tramp? I did. It looks okay.
1: Mm -hmm. I would wish they'd stopped doing these live action movies. The only one I enjoyed really was, um, beauty and the beast. Mm -hmm. I didn't love lion King that much. Yep. Um, I didn't love, um, Aladdin and I didn't love, and I don't think I'm going to love lady and the tramp. I, I love that they're, they're honoring these movies or at least that's how they think of it. Mm -hmm. But I really, think you should just let these movies be. And so to speak, stop. uh, this is a, this is a little bit strong, but this is just one of the criticisms, to paraphrase, I've seen online, to stop digging in the graves of these old movies for mm. for more uh, money. I mean, they got so many bright minds there. Just make new content. People already love these old movies. There's no need to keep going back to them.
0: I agree with you. I, I would like a world of Disney media content where there were no live-action remakes of classic animated films. To me, it's extremely unnecessary, even though I admit I have enjoyed some of the stuff. Uh, I liked... The live-action Cinderella with Lily James I actually thought was decent. I did not care for The Lion King. I didn't see Aladdin, and I don't plan to. And I'm shocked that they're even considering a sequel to Aladdin from what I'm reading online. I
1: saw a uh, an ad, which many of you have probably seen. I think the trailer was out too, or the teaser trailer, for a new Pixar movie called Onward starring uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. There's, right. there's Tom Holland again. That's like looks great, and it's new, and people want to see some new stuff. And that you don't need to keep going back to classics to keep remaking them constantly. Right,
0: right. I agree. They do well at the box office. The Lion King was a massive success. So was Aladdin. From a shareholder perspective, I understand why it's done. But from a fan perspective, I have no interest in seeing these films. So, and yeah, I mean,
1: you're completely right. If you if you think about what's going on in a Disney boardroom when someone comes in and says, "If we remake all of these these ten or twelve movies, you're going to see this projection for income." I mean, I'm sure it's insane. It's just like, does this really need to be done? Right. That's exactly
0: it. Uh, it doesn't add anything new to the storylines of the films. The the stuff that's added on, the, the new stuff actually doesn't – to me, it takes away some, some of it. Beauty and the Beast, the live-action film. I actually did like that too. I like Emma Watson. I thought she was great. But it was a long movie. It didn't necessarily have to be that long. The original Beauty and the Beast, yeah. which – Oh, was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards wasn't that long. I don't know why this one had to be longer. One yeah. other thing, Jack, I wanted to get your thoughts on with regard to Disney Plus is that unlike Netflix or Amazon Prime, the shows that are on, on Disney Plus are going to be released on a weekly basis. So that means that viewers will not be able to binge watch the programming in one sitting. Uh, for me, this is kind of a flashback to the past because when I was younger, that's the way shows would come out. When there were no streaming services, you'd have the network programming You'd have an episode, and then the next week, you'd get the other episode. For you, uh, you're, you're younger than me. You're used to streaming, obviously, where all the shows are available to you at once. What's your take on that? Does that bother you? Do you like this? Are you not, not like it? I'm more of a fan of how Disney Plus is planning on doing
1: it and mm-hmm. releasing it every week. I personally hate – so take Stranger Things, for example. When Stranger Things comes out, uh, what happens is everyone just stays up that one night, binging all the shows, and they get through all the shows – I dislike it because there's so much that happens in each episode on these shows, at least good shows. You want to be able to like digest it and talk about it uh, for that week that you have in between the shows versus everything comes out at once. Everyone just watches it all at once, and then you know the ending like an hour – not an hour, obviously, but a couple hours after the show came out. Right. So I'm not a huge – I was never a huge fan of the whole you know binging the shows all at once. Um, that's not to say I'm not a fan of binging shows because I've done that. Plenty, but usually those shows have already been out for years and you watch them in uh, in hindsight. But I'm not – so I'm actually excited for Disney's plan to um, release them weekly instead of all at once.
0: I 100% agree with you. The thing that I mentioned on the Stuff We Love segment this week is a new show that I saw on Amazon Prime. It was recommended to me by our co-host Joe. And he already had seen every episode by the time I started the first one. So I would lo- love to basically experience that show with him where we're watching episode one the first week it comes out and then we talk about it it gets us excited for episode 2 perhaps we we exactly talk, we talk to each other and we learn something else about the show that we wouldn't have recognized ourselves it's just like seeing a movie you know you want to be able to converse about it and it builds up the hype for when the new episode comes out so uh, i'm with you jack i i do like what disney plus is doing in terms of one episode at a time i think some people are going to have a problem with it because we live in the age of netflix where Everything is instantaneously available, but that's a big uh, that surprised me. I was excited to see it though when Disney Plus announced it.
1: Yeah, so, I'm excited Jack, to see how how it works.
0: So, so if, uh, you're going to be subscribing to Disney Plus? Is that a definite?
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: I'm excited for it. We'll be reporting on that more as it gets closer, uh, which I, I can't wait for. Uh, some of the other things that were announced at D23 Expo dealt with theme park developments. There were a whole bunch of them. But I thought we would just kind of zero in tonight on some of the announcements related to Epcot because that's where the bulk of the changes were announced for Walt Disney World. Um, Let's begin by talking just a second about the Moana-themed attraction that's coming to Epcot, which is called the Journey of Water. And it's a walk-through attraction. Uh, From what I understand, there is no ride vehicle that will allow guests to interact with water in new and unexpected ways. You excited for this? Does it do anything for you? Do you care? Is it uh, like how do how do you uh, feel about it?
1: I'm excited for this. I yeah. think uh, it's always great when um, the parks are able to incorporate movies and new um, characters appropriately. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we we talked about this a couple couple episodes ago. I'd say actually probably like ten episodes ago when we were talking about the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy was coming to um, Epcot and our thoughts on that. Right. Um, and we kind of were discussing whether or not it's good to put these new uh, you know characters, these new movies into Epcot. And we were discussing what Epcot meant. I think for something like this, it works very well because Moana is all about uh, respecting the earth and being one with nature and one with the water in this case. And that really fits with Epcot because Epcot is very centered on uh, renewables and sustainability and a lot of the things that Moana kind of highlights, the same themes. So I think it's going to be a good fit.
0: Yeah, I was excited. I I like seeing water used in attractions. Uh, I I even like seeing – for example, at the resorts I stay at when there's water there, I find it to be very relaxing and uh, refreshing, especially when you're surrounded by the heat in Florida. Just seeing water can sometimes cool you down a bit, unless I'm just imagining that. <laughs> but uh, I'm <laughs> excited for this attraction. I think it'll be good. I happen to really like Moana. I thought that was a very fine film. And uh, I could see that working well in Epcot. And Epcot's a hot park, too. It gets. I was there in August this year or several times. And it really does get hot with all the walking you do in Future World and World Showcase. And I think anything that can cool you down by being near water is a plus. Uh, Another big announcement related to Epcot is a Mary Poppins attraction coming to the United Kingdom over at World Showcase. Details right now are kind of sparse about this. uh, But it's going to be something related to Cherry Tree Lane, which is the street that the banks live on in the Mary Poppins uh, film. I'm excited for it. i I Of course, recognize Mary Poppins as being one of the all-time great Disney classics. The one thing that I'm very... uh, I'm cautious about, because again, we don't know the full details, is that in the concept art that was released for this attraction, there is an image of Lin-Manuel Miranda in this attraction. Now, this is nothing against Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I have a lot of respect for and I'm a fan of, but... To me, it just makes me think that this is going to be more focused on Mary Poppins Returns uh, versus the original Mary Poppins, which is the Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke version. Now, Dick Van Dyke himself appeared at the D23 Expo to announce this, but I really hope that Disney does not bring the Mary Poppins Returns version as the main focus because I'll be honest with you I've never seen it I know it's streaming now on Netflix I'll definitely watch it at some point I couldn't motivate myself to go see it in theaters when I think of Mary Poppins I think of Julie Andrews and I'm sure Emily Blunt thinks of Julie Andrews too quite frankly and uh, I'm excited for it because I just like the idea of it but I'm not I'm actually more excited for the Moana attraction by far than the Mary Poppins Uh, Jack what are your thoughts on that
1: I agree with you. I've often thought that the space, specifically in the UK, if you, especially if you go into the back in that garden area, as beautiful as it is, I've often felt that space is a little bit underutilized because people really don't go back there, and there is a good amount of space there, so the fact that they're going to be you know, breaking up the, U- the UK's area and doing two different things with it, I'm excited for that. I couldn't agree more with you. We we just talked about this to the live-action movies. People did not fall in love with the live-action movies. They fell in love with the originals, and I think it's important to honor the originals even though they're trying to push – the new live action movies and actors and actresses, et cetera. And like you said, I think even Emily Blunt, like that's a perfect way to describe it. Even she would think of Mary Poppins as Julie Andrews, and not as herself. And I'm sure Lin-Manuel Miranda would think the same with Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And so I think it should definitely be centered around the originals. And while there's nothing wrong with putting in some of the Mary Poppins returns aspects or maybe uh, Easter eggs, or something like that, right. it should be focused on the originals.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll have to see how this all plays out. Uh, As it gets closer to the release date, which is a couple years from now, I suppose, we'll get more details. But I did notice, I I saw that on Twitter, somebody had pointed it out in the concept art, and I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Another announcement that was made at the D23 Expo is that Epcot is now going to be divided into four distinct neighborhoods. You'll have World Showcase, which is exactly what we think of when it comes to World Showcase, although you have additional attractions like the Mary Poppins attraction, uh, Ratatouille from, I always feel like I'm messing up the way I say that, but that's going to be in France, and then Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Yes, that's it. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, you say Ratatouille. <laughs> Ratatouille. It takes me two years just to say the word. It's
1: okay. I've but, heard it pronounced several different ways. So
0: yes, yes. Uh, so then you have uh, a new film coming to Canada. I think a new film coming to France, if I'm right about that. But anyhow, World Showcase will be what it is now, just with added stuff. You're going to have World Discovery which will contain Mission Space, Test Track, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Roller Coaster. I guess that will also contain the space-themed restaurant that's due to open soon. You'll have World Celebration, which will have Spaceship Earth, which is going to be greatly redone. And then you have World Nature, which will contain the land, the seas, and this Moana-based water attraction. So you have these four distinct areas coming to Epcot. They've eliminated the Leave a Legacy tile, so my tile is gone, for those of you vacationing in Walt Disney World hoping to see it, and also the Fountain of Nations, that beautiful majestic fountain is permanently closed from what I understand, along with Club Cool, which I think may be temporarily closed from what I heard. So Epcot's undergoing big changes, and it actually, I don't think it's really going to affect people's trip planning in the short term, but those that were maybe thinking of going to Epcot may want to reconsider if they're only there for a couple days, but even as I'm saying that, I, I would still continue to go to Epcot, but they're going to – they need to be prepared to see a lot of construction there, at least in the short term. Um, so th- those were just some of the announcements coming to D23. But, Jack, we have a lot of stuff to look forward to in the next couple of years at Disney and Epcot in particular.
1: We do, definitely.
0: So, Jack, before we go to the Stuff We Love segment, I want to read you something that I just read in the newspaper earlier tonight, and I want to get your thoughts on it, and I want to ask you a question that I was thinking of, Okay. So uh, in the New York Times, uh, this weekend they have their fall preview for the world of arts and entertainment. So talking about film, podcasts, movie, uh, music, uh, et cetera. And uh, their two main film critics, Manola Dargis and A.O. Scott, have a discussion in the paper where they're engaged in a conversation and they're talking about Disney. And I want to read you this, okay? So by mid-August this year, Disney had five. according to this article, Disney had five movies that had raked in a billion apiece this year alone. By late August, it had 36.5% of the domestic box office and its next studio competitor, Universal, had just 13.9%, while Fox, which Disney bought in March, had what they call in the newspaper a pitiful 3.7%. It has no real competition from the remaining studios. And, of course, coming out later this year, we have The Rise of Skywalker uh, and uh, whatever else Disney is bringing. So... that article got me thinking just about how much of the film industry Disney controls. And this is a question that came to mind. I want to ask you, Jack, are you more excited for a big Star Wars movie like The Rise of Skywalker coming in December? And this was also written about in this edition. That made me think of it. Or or are you more excited for something like, for example, Avengers Endgame when that came out? Uh, what, What gets you as a fan more excited to see in theaters? I know we are looking forward to both, but which one do you prefer? Typically, it would always be Star Wars. The answer would always be Star Wars, mm-hmm. just because that movie has so much more
1: sentimental value for me than Marvel does. Though, Marvel, with their release of Endgame, and I've we've all praised that movie, me especially, with how much I liked it, it really does move up my list. But Star Wars is always more popular for me and a little bit more closer to home. That being said, with how bad The Last Jedi was, which I've talked about, we've posted a blog on our site about it, it kind of me uh, pushed me away from star wars in a sense so i probably would have been a little bit more excited for the next avengers than i would the next star wars mm-hmm. that being said i am particularly optimistic about the next star wars movie which i've also talked about i think it has a ton of potential and in every report i've seen um i feel really good about the new star wars movie and my like risk my my hot take that i've been when i'm talking with friends and stuff is that the new star wars movie is going to be really really good mm-hmm. so Right now, I'm most excited to see that new Star Wars movie. It's probably the movie I'm anticipating most um, in the coming year, but that is subject to change. And if Star Wars does another horrible job, and then they plan on releasing movies, you know, another two or three years down the line, then that'll definitely take a big change in terms of my approach, in terms of how excited I am for Star Wars movies versus a movie like Marvel.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you know, the Last Jedi, I was not a big fan of. There were some things I liked about it, but overall, I thought it was one of the lower points in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Then, you know, you had the Rise of Skywalker footage start to come out, Uh, the trailer come out, and it was clear that this was maybe a little bit of a return to form, at least in the J.J. Abrams sense, closer to The Force Awakens than The Last Jedi. Uh, And like all fans, I'm very excited for this movie. Uh, Right now, at least as of this moment, I I would answer that question by saying I'm more excited for the Star Wars films. Although I got to tell you, with where Far From Home left off, If Spider-Man is a part of the Marvel Universe, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see where it goes anyway. But I just, I really loved the idea of him taking on the leadership role. And uh, if he's not in that role, I think I would definitely lean more towards the Star Wars films. Uh, Although, of course, The Rise of Skywalker does mark a conclusion to the Skywalker series going back to the original trilogy. Uh, But yeah, that was just a question that I thought of when I read that article. It got me thinking. Uh, and, of course, we'll have a lot of content to talk about in Disney, uh, discussions about their upcoming film releases. Uh, so, Jack, uh, I thought now maybe we turn to the Stuff We Love segment, if that's good with you. Sure, and I have um,
1: something I wanted to talk
0: about. Let's talk about some stuff we love. The product I have for
1: the Stuff We Love segment this week is a new show that came out at HBO. It's called The Righteous Gemstones. I have enjoyed this show so much. Basically, the plot is you're following along this family um, who runs a mega, one of these big mega mega churches. And so they're supposed to be the typical like mega church pastor, typical mega church family. And you follow them along as they lead lives that aren't as um, holy as they might appear to be when they're out in the church. So far, the show is very funny. It's just really entertaining. I've— Found that I'm not necessarily laughing out loud at stuff that happens in the show, but I'm really enjoying the show and want to keep watching next week's episode. The acting is phenomenal, and a lot, a lot like many of these HBO shows, they just have great attention to detail. In the sense that when you're watching the show, you really feel like immersed in this world. You feel like this world could exist, like these people do exist, just because of how well uh, they do with you know really getting every delicate feature accurate, whether it's with these characters and I could go through the list, but there's some really skilled actors and actresses in this movie, whether it's through the characters, whether it's through the sets, whether it's through the uh, writing. It's just been very impressive so far. It's a very well-done show. So if you're looking for a new show to check out, whether on HBO or anywhere else, I definitely recommend checking out The Righteous Gemstones.
0: Jack, that's a great recommendation, and it's funny you say that, because I was talking to my brother, Neil, and he told me he started watching that show, too, and how much he loved it. And then I went back and... I am watching now Eastbound and Down, which also stars Danny McBride, who's the star of The Righteous Gemstones. And I'm laughing every episode. I had already watched Vice Principals, which is his other show on HBO. And I'm I'm going through Eastbound and Down so quickly. I'm just going to finish that up and then begin The Righteous Gemstones. So that's a tremendous recommendation. So my Stuff We Love recommendation is the show on Amazon Prime Video called The Boys. That came out this summer. It was recommended to me by our co-host, Joe. <clears throat> and it's a superhero show, but not in the traditional sense. It's based on a graphic novel, and it focuses on a group of superheroes known as The Seven. And they're basically like the all-star superheroes in the world. Uh, they work for a company called Vought, which contains, which controls the business of superheroes, for lack of a better way of saying it. And it turns out that from a public eye perspective, these people are heroes and do everything perfectly. But beneath the surface, they're really not as wholesome as they seem. And stuff happens in the show that focuses on the true side of the superheroes. And it was really a tremendous show. I finished it last night, season one. It went in unexpected ways. I uh, really loved it. I know I'm, I, I'm not using that word lightly. I did love it. And it was sort of uh, every episode when it ended, I couldn't wait for the next one. So that's The Boys on Amazon Prime so thank you everyone so much for tuning into this week's episode we'd like to thank our sponsor again auto slash visit them online at autoslash.com and learn how you can save money on your next car rental you can follow us on Twitter at stuff we love pod on Instagram stuff we love podcast please like us on Facebook we're posting content there on a regular basis our website is www.stuffwelovepodcast.com this is where you can learn about The hosts visit our products page and get links to our previous episodes. You can write to us at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. And please leave those good five star reviews on iTunes. That will make it easier for others to find the show. So, uh, Jack, great to be with you again tonight, kicking off season two. We have a lot of great content coming everyone's way. So please continue to listen. I know you're going to, Jack and I both know you're going to love what's coming out. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, This has been the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am Scott. I'm Jack. And thank you all for listening.